Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Awesome Off Week Golf Podcast. I guess it's an off week, but we're still going to talk about two golf tournaments here. I am Jason Roslin. Find me on Twitter at DFSGolfer23, and I'm joined by Ben Raza. Ben, I dragged you into this to talk to me about Euro Tour and even some LPGA. I don't know. I don't know how I got you to do this, but I must have. Uh, I must have done some things right. I mean, I didn't send you a bottle of wine that I know uh, at this point. No, I'm still waiting for that. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I was looking forward to a little hiatus. You know, we get a couple weeks off after this. Uh, this is a very cool you know, week over in Europe, and then I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm on DraftKings, I'm looking around, all of a sudden, LPGA pops up. Uh, that was an unexpected situation for sure. Yeah, it sure was, and, and listen, I, I'm going to go out and assume that DraftKings um, did this more for us players than they did the golfers, because uh, there's no publicity surrounding it. And one would think, you know, the first time a, a $40 billion company like DraftKings gets involved with the LPGA, they'd have some pub on it, but there's no pub. So um, maybe something to come more in the future with uh, those two entities. But certainly nothing at least outwardly talked about, which I found kind of interesting. But nonetheless, they put out contests for us and an opportunity for us golf fans, maybe to watch the girls again, because... Uh, Ben, I'll be honest, you know, my, my uh, priorities have shifted. And when I was a younger kid, I loved watching all golf, professional golf. It didn't matter. I mean, I, I was at the Newport uh, Country Club back in 2006 for the U.S. Women's Open. Back in, geez, back in 2012, I was seeing Lexi Thompson as a 15-year-old play at the CVS Charity Classic. So I love it all. I'm just glad that I have a vested interest and can watch it now. Um, but... Yeah. Let's start off with some Eurotour talk. That is where uh, the bigger DraftKings pools are this week. It is the DP World Tour Championship, so the European Tours version of the Tour Championship. 60 golfers here. It was the top 60, but they had to go past that, I think, because a lot of people didn't want to play, like John Rahm. Yeah. Um, but we've been following this course for a couple of years. It's a nice desert track, right? It is, yeah. I mean, this is one uh, kind of a staple of their end of the year. And it's, well, I mean, first thing that stood out to me is it, it kind of favors the bombers. You get four par fives, uh, and you can take advantage. There is some, I guess, some hazards on some holes, but all in all, unless you're really doing damage off the tee, you can stay out of trouble. You can go low. So I like this course. Uh, we've seen it a little, and it's, it's a strong field, not one of a typical Euro event. Yeah, and some some of the past winners, at least, that are here in uh the field this week, one that is not, John Rahm, he won last year, so kind of goes to show you that certainly Bombers can win on it. That's kind of how he does his game. But other golfers like Matt Fitzpatrick, Danny Willett, Henrik Stenson, Lee Westwood, those guys aren't Bombers by any stretch, but certainly get it done. So uh, I would say this course, given the fact that Matt Fitzpatrick and John Rahm have each won on it, kind of lends to pretty much anybody uh, that is uh, putting well and hitting their irons well. It's got a chance here. So some of the top options, Patrick Reed. Man, they absolutely love this guy on the European tour. Don't know what it is. What do you think it is? Because, I mean, he, he's pretty much owned them in the Ryder Cup, so I don't know why they love this guy so much. 
yeah, I mean, he goes over there, has plenty of success, and honestly, uh, you kind of have to take notice because he's someone he always comes ready to play. I, I wasn't shocked to see him as the highest price guy, 11-5, but at the same time, you know, you do have other options. It's not like we have Rahm or Rory, but you've got other names in Hovland, Morikawa, Sanjay, some of the tour regulars that we see on this side of the pond. Yeah, and, and certainly uh, Patrick Reed getting offered the lifetime membership there on the European Tour. Uh, it's interesting. You go look at his finishes, and, geez, it's been a long, long time since he's missed the cut over on the European Tour. Obviously, won't have to worry about this week. But certainly they love him. They set up the golf courses the way he likes. Um, I guess you can certainly tell from uh, his social media post uh, that he likes playing over there. I also found it interesting that he would be priced above somebody like Ty Hatton, who maybe has had a stumble recently at at, at Augusta, but by, for all intents and purposes, Ty Hatton has played probably, other than Dustin Johnson, some of the best golf since we've returned from COVID. Oh, no doubt. I mean, the, the only knock on Hatton, and it's certainly a big one, he's performed worst in the biggest events. Uh, his majors yep. were terrible this year, but if you just look at longevity, if you want to treat, I know every tournament is not equal, but if you did, uh, it's hard to argue with a guy who's been that almost dominant in a lot of situations. So I totally get that. Obviously, this is not a major, and, and he's more than comfortable having plenty of experience over here. Yeah, a couple of, uh, since 2014, he's obviously been here every year. That's kind of when Hatton burst on the scene. He's had three top tens, uh, a runner-up finish um, last year during his bad stretch. Actually, he wasn't playing that great uh, this time last year, so he came 46th, but not worried about that. One thing that um, I found interesting and one of the maybe biggest chatters of the week uh, just of, of golfers is Colin Morikawa and Sung J.M. as they didn't play one time in the regular season over on the European Tour. Sure, they played in like a WGC in a major, and that's how they qualified for this, but no regular season European Tour tournaments. For me personally, I don't care. I don't care if they played none or all of them and they've got a chance to win this week. That's all that matters. I like watching them play golf. For you, I mean, I know some of the writers uh, that that follow the European Tour, they weren't too thrilled about this. What say you? Do you care about it, or do you just like watching these guys play golf like me? Yeah, I don't care. I mean, I, I get, I, I totally get, um, I guess, some of the purists or whatnot. It's a legitimate I, right, I think, yeah. reasoning, but I don't care. These guys are, are some of the best in the world. I think overall it's probably a net positive. For Euro, it gets eyeballs that maybe wouldn't care uh, over there because they see some names that they're familiar with, and that's a good thing because there's a lot of players in this field that we're going to talk about that aren't over here, and they, they should get exposure. So any, any exposure to them is a positive. Yeah, and especially when we talk about Morikawa and M, I mean, two of the, the game's youngest stars in it. So yeah. I, I love that. I, again, like I said, I could care less that they didn't play any over there. It really brings eyeballs to the tour. Totally agree with you on there. So now let's talk about their golf as – the regression set in for the major winner, first-time major winner, 23-year-old Colin Morikawa. It hasn't been an easy go of it, Ben, since the PGA Championship win. Do you think this is more of him trending toward what his baseline is going to be? Or is it just a bad stretch and he's going to return to that elite form here pretty soon? Because it's been a little while since we've had a top 10. It has been. I, I think... Certainly we know, I feel very strongly saying that that top end form is still there and we're going to see it uh, time and time again. I think the one thing that was overblown with him was the consistency. Uh, he started out, hadn't missed a cut. He ripped off a ridiculous streak to begin his career. 
that one I think was some fool's gold, and that we're seeing. He's not going to bring it every week. None of these guys do. Uh, you're going to get some ugly performances in there, and then you're going to get some where we see him just dominant with the irons and taking down tournaments. So consistency, I think, will take a bump down, but that top-end talent is still certainly there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that he was operating at such a high level, especially with his irons, that some of us thought he could really maybe continue to do so. But when the irons go, first of all, when he's not when he's not putting the ball in the fairway, that's a key for Colin. When he's not putting the ball in the fairway, his irons aren't going to really have a chance to flourish. But it's been the putter that's really been bad. If you look at his strokes gain stats, I mean, still in his last three starts, we've gained over a stroke on the approach twice. So it's not like the irons are far, but the putter has gone bad. He's lost over a stroke and a half twice in those three starts as well and lost all three of them. And what I found interesting, Jazz, that I wanted to bring up to you, He's been switching putters like almost every other round. So clearly there's a little bit of headspace going on with Morikawa on the greens. Um, however, if he's got a bunch of five-footers this week, I'm sure he'll have a chance to compete. So at 10500 not playing that great golf, I expect a little lower ownership. Is this a guy you're looking to put in your lineups first, or do you think the form is not quite good enough for this price? You know, like I said, I always... I'm going to have some interest, especially if Morikawa is lower owned because of that top end. But you just mentioned he's clearly searching to an extent. I'm not saying I'm, I'm overly concerned because I'm not. But if, if I had the choice, I would take $200 uh, discount. I'd just go to Sunjay. Uh, I think he's a little more consistent. Obviously, he's coming off an incredibly impressive runner-up at the Masters. And just this guy, he's had ebbs and flows just like Morikawa. Yep. It hasn't been perfect for, for large stretches here and there, but I, I actually think his game translates well to this course, certainly comes ready to play. I'd take, uh, take Sunjay M over Morikawa if I had to choose. Yeah, and Sunjay M, interestingly enough, I mean, he, he had a letdown week there at the RSM Classic um, where his approach game wasn't very good in that one round at Seaside. But he was coming off of his career best finish, obviously, at Augusta coming in second place. So I don't read that much into it. Now we get him for a guaranteed four rounds. Prior to Augusta, though, he hadn't been playing that great. And that's why I didn't end up getting to him at Augusta at 7,500. So I think I think for me, it's going to be you know maybe a little tougher for me to click that name. Given the fact that we've got a guy, two guys, that are coming off of wins. One of them is coming off of back-to-back wins. Priced a little bit cheaper than uh, than Sung JM, and it's Victor Hovland and Christian Bezidenhut. Now, granted, Bezidenhut has been playing against maybe not the strongest fields, but still pretty good fields for Euro Tour. What do you make of this guy? I mean, sure, we know he's probably one of the best putters in the world, but his approach game has been fire. And when you're one of the best putters in the world, and your approach game is trending towards being one of the best, you're gonna have a chance to win every golf tournament. So, you think Bezzy can keep it going? And do you think Hovland's long track over to Dubai sets him back a little bit? Yeah, it's always tricky with you know guys coming off a win, going across obviously to a different type of venue. But Hovland, and he just got I, there yesterday too. I think he hadn't he hasn't been there a while. Yeah, it's not a great situation. But then at the other side, I, I do think that Hovland's game translates well to this course. Perfectly he can be aggressive. Yep, uh, can really lean on that driver if he wants to. And then you got. He's just listen. He's a talented guy. Obviously, when you're winning in South Africa, it's not the same. It's just not. But that's not to take away uh, what he can do. And we've seen it. I mean, in WGCs and majors, uh, he's got some experience. Nothing extreme, but at the same time, 
he's dealt with fields much stronger with this. And you mentioned when you can putt like that, it doesn't take that big of jump tee to green to really get in the mix. Yeah, uh, no doubt. And he's, he's really bursted on the scene here. I mean, this is going to be his second time coming to this course. He came in 12th here last year. So certainly in my player pool, I, I think with his price continuing to rise, and even given this field it, relatively strong, I think that not a lot of people are going to try and go to him. He's been pretty low-owned as one of the top uh, guys, uh, top-priced guys the last couple of weeks. So definitely don't mind Bezzy here. I think he's a really nice pivot off of Sung J.M., who I do expect most people to click over him, and I think that that does make sense. The last two guys, or two other guys, I should say, not last two that I want to talk about in the top end, uh, top end is two English guys, Tommy Fleetwood, who seems to be trending in the right direction, and Dejected Fitzpatrick trending in the other direction. Now, I say Dejected Fitzpatrick because I watched this guy at Augusta, and obviously they allow you to watch every single golf shot. And I swear, after every single shot, whether it was good or bad, the guy looked like he was going to take his club and slam it into his caddy's face. I mean, it just looked awful. That translated into a missed cut at the RSM Classic, where, again, he looked terrible. So, former winner here with pretty good course history, are you going to jump back into Fitzpatrick, or are you going to fade him like I am? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm a Fitzy guy. I, I obviously think that you can go to him because these are the most talented players in this field. But I would say if I had to, similar to what I talked about Morikawa, i go to Matt Wallace at, at 9,700. Uh, right to me, he fits the course better. Uh, his, his form, you're not going to get overly consistent. But when you get that top end from Matt Wallace, we've seen it time and time again. He's a great scorer. He's a damn good player, obviously. And I do think... Ownership won't be there in any large way, so I'll go to Matt Wallace if I had to choose between the two. Yeah, a little uh, great call there on Wallace says he's coming off a second place last week uh, in yep. Dubai. And the start before that at the RSM Classic where he came 37th, he actually had the first-round lead, so it's not like this guy's form is far off at all. I mean, he's, he's very, very close. Um, so I agree, definitely would rather go to the other Matt. Now, how about Tommy Fleetwood? The guy has done nothing but putt on the PGA Tour, but... Found himself into the top 20 at Augusta. Now coming back to the European Tour where he does very well most of the time. He's got a couple of top 10s here at the Jeremiah State Club. So Tommy Fleetwood, interest of you, or is he, the ball striking just not good enough for the 10000 price tag? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard with him. We've talked about this a lot when you know doing live before lock for the PGA Tour. He goes to Europe and he seems to find some things and he doesn't always bring it back, but you, you got to consider him here. You've mentioned he's got experience. He's obviously staple of the Euro Tour, and I don't think that price is too tight. You know, there's a lot of guys up and down the range that you can go to, so I wouldn't fault anyone if he wanted to take a discount on someone like Reed or Hatton to start with Fleetwood. Uh, it's just a little more volatility. I, I feel much more confident in Reed playing just good in the sense that he's not going to kill you, but Fleetwood certainly has that win equity, uh, and that's dangerous. So this is the last professional golf tournament for the men's side uh, in 2020, a crazy weird year. The reason why I bring that up is because one of the weirder qualifications for the Masters is if you're in the top 50 in the world at the end of each year, you get that Masters invitation. Now, if you're not in the top 50 and you're right around there, like one of our favorites and one of golf favorites, Ricky Fowler, he'll still have a chance by before March, I think it's 21st, to get inside that top 50. But somebody who's streaking into the season close and has a chance with a really big finish here to move inside that number is Bob McIntyre. 
He's got a third-place finish in Cyprus and then followed that up with a win. A sixth-place finish at the Alfred Dunhill as the odds-on favorite. Then, 19th last week, didn't play great in Dubai. Comes here pretty highly, uh, pretty highly priced. But given the fact that he's got a lot to play for and playing well, is Bob McIntyre in your uh, pool this week? I get it. I mean, you just summed it up nicely. This is a guy that he's not as big of a household name as the guys around him, but he's playing really well. Uh, And he's done it over here in Europe for a while now. Got some talent as a young gun. I still think that you're probably paying for a lot of it, though. That's my one problem. Like, these good finishes, it makes me interested. But the price is kind of paying for what he's already done. And you look at guys like Andy Sullivan, like Thomas Peters, EDR, uh, they're discounted to McIntyre this week. And, and for me, those guys' just long-term track record, I trust a little more, even though there's no denying the recent form. I think for me, it's going to be a... a it, now, the the uh, prize pools or the contest, sorry, that DraftKings put out this week, I think he's a really good target for that $12 contest, uh, 25000 a first. Because I do think exactly what you just said, a lot of people are, are still warming up to this 24-year-old from Scotland where they'd rather just go to a guy like Thomas Peters who's cheaper uh, there this week and certainly a name that they know. Even Eric Van Ruyen is a name that is cheaper and that they know. So I like targeting McIntyre in the GPP. I think the price is likely going to push me off of him in the $500 tournament uh, there for me this week because um, I like to go a little bit more top-end. I'll likely try and get in Reed or Hatton. Um, I just think coming in, they're the best golfers, and I like to play them. It'll be interesting to see what we do with Hovland. So we've pretty much done all of the top-end guys. We'll go to the mid-price guys here in a second. But let's say you're doing a single entry like me in this high-dollar buy-in. Out of all the guys we just talked about, give me the one, or if you want to, give me the two that you're putting in your lineup this week. So for me, I think that, honestly, Matt Wallace is someone I'm very confident plays well here. He, he's The nice thing about him, he fits a lot of different builds. You could start with him in theory and go very balanced. Yep. You also could use Reed or Hatton on top of him, and then you've got a nice one-two punch. Uh, so it's really, for me, going to be about structuring. How do I want to start? Similar to what we do every week. Do, do we want to double up north of 10K? Do we want to start in the nines? Um, you have options here, and I think... Guys like Matt Wallace, Sunjay, and then up top with, with the big-time names uh, are of all places that I could comfortably start. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great point. I think Matt Wallace is not only a uh, good against a green option, I don't see his ownership getting north of 15%, maybe 20 Again, ownership is a little hard to predict here, so that's why we don't even put it out. We yeah. just don't have enough data to comfortably say, here's what somebody will be on. Okay, so in the midsection, this would be maybe the second or third guys in the lineup. we got guys like Thomas Peters, Eric Van Rien. Let's spend a second on him. The guy withdrew from the Masters. Haven't seen him since. Does that take you off of him for me? I mean, it was a back injury, so I think that there's plenty of more options. And the only way you get hurt in no cuts is if you have a guy withdraw. So I'm not playing Van Rien this week, even given how good his talent is. I might not be the only one doing that, though. Yeah, so that's the thing. I, I think if you're talking about a, a single entry and it's higher stakes, I, don't, I think it's kind of unnecessary to play EVR uh, if you're just incurring too much risk. Yep. But if you're talking about trying to separate in a large field tournament, uh, if he is okay, uh, I think you're going to get a discount in ownership because of the unknown, and that's always enticing. So it's a risk-reward. You could absolutely be burned if he's hurt or if he withdraws, but at the same time, uh, there is an other side of that if you want to roll the dice. 
couple of guys that uh, will challenge Ricky Fowler as some of the most volatile golfers on earth, but they're not going to catch him. Uh, but certainly, these this name, Danny Willett, and a guy that's not here this week that typically would be, but has been focusing his time on the uh, PGA Tour is Alex Norin. But Alex Norin, Danny Willett, and Ricky Fowler, three of the most volatile golfers right now. Danny is in this field this week with three top fives here at the Jeremiah Club Estates in the last five years. So how about Danny Willett this week? Is he interest or is the game a little too volatile for you? Uh, again, I mean, you're always going to have some interesting guys that have that ability to just flip a switch. And Danny Willett has shown that the problem is there's, to me, almost no way to predict what you're going to get. So he would have to fill, fit a specific build where I'm you know, really confident in the other five. I think that they have good floors, and I'm looking for some just pure upside. Other than that, to me, there's just too many other guys as we work down that are, are more reasonable targets, and I would hate to play Willett, and you just get one of those weeks where he's just not interested or not playing well, and it completely derails what could have been a good lineup. For sure. Henrik Stenson, um, this, this, the last bit of golf, missed cut, 21st, missed cut, withdraw, which was a missed cut, another missed cut, another missed cut, and finally... A 23rd place uh, there a couple of weeks ago. Just dreadful, but he's got a couple of wins here and a couple of other top 10s in the last five or six years. So do we go with course history, or in a no-cut, is it is it just too risky to play Henrik Stenson right now, a guy who we know is not in form? Yeah, I think for me, uh, again, there's too many other options. And Stenson, of course, uh, on long-term name recognition, he always – piques your interest but the more you dig in if you were just backing these guys blindly off stats and you couldn't see their names he would be one of the first people you cross off in this range so for me i would rather go to detry aaron rise down there and then there's plenty of guys in the mid sevens that you can structure with yeah yeah absolutely and it looks like um if i guess i'm not mistaken it maybe looks like the euro one uh the euro contest uh, they've still got a couple uh posted out there uh, looks like they just had to put a secondary for the approach shot. Looks like maybe they under gave us, uh, they, they undershot the uh, expectation for this week, which I guess doesn't surprise me, honestly, Ben. They put out a 50K for the South African Open a couple of weeks ago. Not South, the uh, Alfred Dunhill, and it almost failed. And here we are Wednesday morning, and uh, they had to put out some secondary. So that's good. It means that there is a lot of... Um, at least energy going into this week. So a couple of the mid-price guys that I think will find some lineups this week. I'll go rapid fire through them, and, and then uh, you can tell me if you like any of them, or you can tell me if you'd rather go somewhere else. So Tom Lewis, uh, who had a very weird week last week, uh, and uh, I was also included in this weird week where he got a positive COVID test basically the morning of the tea times. DraftKings didn't update their player pool, and I continued to play him. It was only put out somewhere on the like tournament feed that he had to withdraw. But he's back in the field this week because he actually – it was a false positive. So he's playing. Other guys like Ramon Langoski, who also tested positive, is not playing this week. DraftKings did update the player pool already this week. I must have complained enough for them to get it done. Uh, so is Tom Lewis back in your player pool this week? Two top tens here and his only two starts. Yeah, I mean, Tom Lewis is the ultimate boom-bust player. Sure um, is. We saw him, I always reference what he did on the corn. He came in and secured some status because of a corn ferry win with no form. To me, Aaron Rye is right there. Burmeester is right there, who's a mega bomber. These are some of the guys that I'd rather roll the dice with. Uh, kind of just more for me. Tom Lewis, I never know what I'm going to get. And 
you just look, he, he just, he has too many tournaments that take you completely out of it. I guess that's the easiest way for me to summarize how I feel about him. Yep. I think that's, um, I think that's a, a good call there. Again, if you're if you're playing in that twelve dollar, it's now um, you know five k to first. The first one, if you yeah. got your contest in, it was twenty five k to first. A good spot for that for the five hundred dollar that I'm looking. Ah, not so much for me. I would rather go to a guy that is playing in good form, who has totally bursted on the scene in the last two months. I I'm being truthful. I had never heard of this guy before this last three or four weeks, but. I'm definitely paying attention now. The 20-year-old from South Africa, Wilco Nienaber. Talk about Bomber. He is the absolute Cameron champ of the European Tour. So many parallels between these two guys. I like him in a no-cut. The same reason why I play Cameron champ in a no-cut is the same reason why I'm going to play this guy. So are you joining me with this guy, Nienaber, or is he a little too expensive for you? I do think he's a little too expensive, but at the same time, I think just like Cameron Champ, I think price is somewhat irrelevant because when they get going, they're going to outscore. Uh, and when you're when you're buying, you're buying for that. And when they play bad, it doesn't matter if he's 8K or 7K, you're going to be in big trouble. Um, so his abilities off the tee put him firmly in play. I will say there is another I, I just referenced him. Dean Burmeister, who's an, a fellow South African, is also a mega bomber. Um, and he has abilities to rack up the birdies as well. $400 cheaper. You have options, but I, I like that player profile for what we're doing here. Yeah, um, agreed uh, there as well. I think Burmester uh, does set up nicely. Another one in this range of a guy that actually, a Spaniard that lives in Dubai here, is Ardry Arnoux. He is a, a guy that is very volatile as well. Um, when he has a good finish, he kind of regresses and then goes back to it. So, uh, has one start here, a home course. I think he's a pretty good price here in this mid-range. Uh, any thoughts on him or another guy that has found some really good success uh, here in the desert and also had a pretty good week last week at the Dubai Championship? It's Ross Fisher and Renato Paratore. So three names there, Arnu, Fisher, and Paratore. Yeah, again, I, I think this is where, depending on how you build, you may need a couple guys in this range, and you're going to have options. We, we just mentioned a couple. Arnu is someone that I think you've actually brought to my attention several times when we've talked to Europe uh, over the course of the year. Pretty consistent player over there. Paratory, kind of the same. You're not going to see them over this side uh, on the PGA Tour, but they have some pedigree here, and they're playing well. Russ Fisher is a guy... I mean, we used to see him in WGCs, things like that. The form really fell off. But it's starting to come back. I think if I had to order him, though, he would be third behind uh, Arnu and Paratori in that order. So I'm not sure I would get to Fisher, but the other two I, I firmly think are in play. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, with you on that, um, as we move down the list here. Actually, I'm going to go back up for a second just because uh, there's a guy uh, that – has not been putting well, but right out of the COVID break, this guy was the hottest golfer on the planet, possibly, or second hottest golfer. Let's let's say in the top three. Tailed off a little bit, but if you dig in the strokes gained numbers, it looks like he just had a pretty cold putter. It looks like everything else was pretty decent as I look here. Um, at the Alfred Dunhill, uh, it wasn't, or I'm sorry, at the RSM where he did play, it wasn't great, but... He bounced back, tee to green, in last week's start. The putting wasn't good. It's Rasmus Hogard. 
This guy definitely has top-end talent. The young guy out of Denmark, I believe. 7,700, it's a no-cut, so we don't have to worry about uh, maybe a bad putting day. Is this guy on your wavelength, 7,700? So, I mean, there's no doubting the talent. We've seen him a couple times come over, uh, and we saw earlier in the Euro Tour. I mean, he can get it done. The bigger problem I have is just an opportunity cost thing. I mean, I can make a case for him, and I think that's why he's probably in play, but you're going to sacrifice Arnu or Burmeester or Juice Luton, um, Detry. All these guys are in the neighboring range. So for me, there's it's going to be hard for him to have shares because there's so many other guys I have ahead of him. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, I think that's viable. Um, I think I'll probably end up with a, a couple of shares because I, I do I believe in the the talent level, but um, there is there's a lot of guys in that range. I think that he's probably priced up at the seventy seven hundred dollar range because of that form that was out of COVID, rather than guys like Paratori and Fisher who seem like they're playing better right now, um, but priced cheaper. So, all right, now let's go into the cheap range before we give uh, five or ten minutes to the girls here. The names that I have written down uh, below seven thousand: Marcus uh, Schinholt who played pretty decent last week and has a good history here. Sam Horsfield, who won a couple of times there right out of COVID. Garrett Higo is a 21-year-old from South Africa. Missed the cut the last two weeks, but ball striking looked good. His his short game was absolutely terrible, but ball striking looked really good. Connor uh, Smy, Smy, right? I think that's how you say it. Anyways, the 25-year-old from Scotland coming in off good form. And Grant Forrest, also a 27-year-old from Scotland coming in off good form. Those are my cheap options. Do you want to add any to those? I just want to talk about Grant, the last guy you said, Grant Forrest. Uh, coming off a six last week in Dubai. He's the guy that I've had my eye on here and there. Um, no major breakthroughs or whatnot, but again, this is why this field, you know, to bring it all the way back to the top, these guys are filling out the bottom range. He's 6,200 uh, in a lot of events that we're used to playing. When you're talking about guys that low, the caliber of player really drops off. To me, of course, there's some drop-off, but these guys are not that far off um, between them and the guys we just talked about in the mid-7s. So maybe their form has regressed, but at the same time, they've got that talent, and I feel pretty comfortable taking a guy, even two possibly, from down here if it allows me to play you know, Fleetwood and Hatton or Hatton and Sunjay and Matt Wallace, a lot of combinations up top. Yep, no, no doubt about it. So... Uh, I think a fun week uh, ahead on the European Tour. Again, the course is really pretty. If, if you're into uh, the uh, the P- PlayStation uh, PGA Tour 2K21, they do have this course uh, on there. You have to search for it. It's, I think it's called the Jeremiah Estates, something like that. But again, fun course. Should set up for a pretty good week. But it's not the only golf tournament going on that DraftKings gives us contest for. Of course, we teased it at the top. The LPGA Tour finally gets their spot. In, on the DraftKings lobby, and we've got obviously a major going on, so all of the good players are here. A little different, uh, it is the U.S. Women's Open. It's going to be played at two courses in Houston, the Champions Club, Grand Cypress and Jack Rabbit. Both of them measure, I don't know, around 6,500 yards or so. Um, for the girls, that's uh, pretty average, maybe a little bit on the longer side, and what I want to talk to you about, though, is a couple of golfers that play. Now, I, I know that you probably don't know that many, and, and I know that uh, 
it's always changing, especially with the talent that is coming over from Asia. I mean, these these Asian girls that are playing now are just superb. They don't miss fairways. I mean, I was looking at crazy. I was looking at the driving accuracy of, of the field as a whole, and the driving accuracy of the field of a whole is so much higher than the men's. It's insane. Um, they they literally don't miss fairways. So then it comes down to iron play, of course, and putting. So we'll talk about some of the top options here. I'll just kind of give you a couple, and if you have anything to add, great. Sure. If not, then you can just say, yep, go with this one. So I'll first, I'll first start off with the highest price golfer in the field, and that's So Young Kim. She's coming on back-to-back wins in her last two starts. Now, typically you and I, at least me, I don't typically play winners all that much, and this girl's won two times in a row. So highest price golfer in the field in great form. I think I'm going to probably go down to Maverick McNeely's girlfriend, Daniel Kang, instead in my lineups. She hasn't missed a cut in the last 18, win, uh, 18 weeks as a win in two other top five. So just for pricing, I mean, do you think we need to get this girl so young Kim in there, given the fact that she's won two starts in a row? I mean, obviously, when you're talking about the top of the board, just like you know, any PGA or Euro uh these are the best players in the world, and, and Kim has shown that. I will say I did a little digging uh, on the yes. and she's right. one of the many. You already just kind of talked about this at the top. Just the greens and regulation machine. Uh, these girls, their ability to your green to get it there, and then obviously you got to make the putts, but that's something even in a U.S. Open type you need to do. That's step one. So for me, if I do throw a lineup or two into this, that's probably where my focus will be, and Kang with someone I didn't notice when I was looking at that. Yeah, I think she's got the upside. As we move down a little bit, I think maybe um, the consistency uh, go the consistency award goes to a young Canadian, 24-year-old Brooke Henderson, who bursted on the scene similar to Lexi Thompson as a teenager and similar to the next golfer that I'm going to talk about as well. Henderson from Canada, three straight sixth-place finishes in her last three starts. And she's got a second back at the Anna Inspiration. So two top 10s at the major. And in fact, of the top 10 price golfers on DraftKings, she's the only golfer to have top 10s at both of the last two majors, the Women's PGA and the Anna Inspiration. So Brooke Henderson, she is the first click uh, in my big dollar lineup that I have, the $275. And uh, I expect her probably to be one of my highest owned in the MME slate. I just love the consistency, and her game is uh, pretty stellar. If her putter wakes up this week, I think she could have a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, one of the first things that I was just looking at is so many uh, are super consistent. When you look at made cuts, even top tens, uh, their ability to churn out top end finishes is a little different. There's not as much volatility. And that kind of gives you the ability to structure a little different when you build. Um, You'll have the opportunities as you work down the board to take some shots, uh, maybe on some some players who don't have as much resume or so, as much pedigree, but someone like, obviously, Henderson up top, you just look at his five top tens, seven out of eight, pretty damn consistent if that's where you want to start. Yeah, uh, no, uh, no doubt about that. Um, next girl I'd like to chat about here is... Well, now, we don't have a lot of stats here, but of course the LPGA Tour keeps some statistics. They keep what I would call the old age statistics, scrambling average, overall putting average, which actually does putts per round, uh, driving accuracy, fairway accuracy. Uh, I'm sorry, greens and regulation. So Lydia Coe 
is what I would call the Denny McCarthy, Jordan Spieth of the LPGA Tour. She's last in driving accuracy and greens and regulation in terms of the top-priced golfers on DraftKings, but she's the best putter, and she's in pretty good form. So does when you're looking at the stats and you see her being the only golfer to hit less than 70% of her greens and less than 70% of her fairways, at 8900 is that starting to be an okay price for that? Or are you trying to find somebody that might be a little bit more consistent at a U.S. Open? So anytime you can do something at a you know an elite level that it stands out, I always have interest. We talk about that uh, every week where it's like if you're working down the board, I would rather have a, a golfer that does one part of their game to like a world-class level than someone who's just somewhat average across the board because they have the ability to lean on that part of the game. And we talk about someone like Ko, she, she could just go nuts with the putter. She could go nuts with the short game, and that could give her the ability. Whereas someone who's just kind of average to green and average putter, it takes an outlier performance somewhere, even though they don't have a glaring weakness. To me, that doesn't uh, give as much volatility, and that's what we're trying to embrace in large field tournaments. Sure is. A couple more top-end options. Lexi Thompson, I mentioned at the top that, uh, you know, when she was 15 or 16, I saw this girl play. And she has immense talent, but since her U.S. Open win, faux win last year, where she really did win, in my opinion, that was that phantom penalty call. I feel like it's happened to her a couple of times, if I'm not mistaken, in this tournament alone. Crazy. 9,100, and she's using Bryson DeChambeau's caddy this week they have the same uh manager uh they're both sponsored by puma so they must do a lot of work together i believe that they're pretty good friends from what it looks like uh so she's using dechambeau's caddy who obviously just helped him win a u.s open so will that be the spark that lexi needs i'm sure this is probably a name that uh, before this week you knew yeah i mean again obviously i'd be lying if i said i was super familiar with some of these players games but just you know, what, I, what I've done to try to get up to speed a little bit is just dig into to what I can find at just a very basic level. And it, it's another player who strikes me as, as very consistent. Um, you know, making cuts, not going to burn you too much. Reasonable price tag, I don't think, you know, I'm trying to approach it more on a lineup construction level because that will translate across anything. I don't know if I would start my lineup there, uh, but obviously as a second player in, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and if you want to get really aggressive, which I think is going to be a little hard this week given the fact that we don't have a, a, a ton of data to go real low in terms of salary, you're going to probably have to choose whether to go for, with Henderson and uh, or somebody above Henderson like Kang and probably either Co or Thompson. That's the way that I've been building. Tough to get all three. If you want to get all three, though, certainly there are some cheaper options that we'll talk about. Some of the mid-tier options uh, that I like this week, Jennifer Song, Georgia Hall, Jessica Corda, Charlie Hall uh, are four names. Now, I mentioned one there, Jessica Corda. Her sister, Nellie, Nellie is the 22-year-old, the younger of the two, and right now the better golfer of the two, but Nellie had a super weird injury at the last uh, major there, the PGA Championship. She was trying to stretch. It was cold out. She was trying to stretch her back, and I guess she she stretched like too far and threw her back into spasms and had to withdraw. She shot one under. Yes, yeah, she shot one under on day one, so she was right in the tournament, um, but then had to withdraw. So this is her first start since then. She said there's no long-term injury. It was just back spasms. So are you okay playing her, 
or does that scare you a little bit hearing that information? So what I would say is this, that uh, most people who, who are going to play this are probably somewhat unfamiliar with a lot of these players, and it's not going to be the same as the appeal to me when Jason Day gets hurt is in the field the next week is everybody knows and everyone's scared. I don't know if that's going to happen in a situation like this because I don't know how many people are even aware of these types of situations. So for me, you're incurring too much risk for not enough reward on the ownership side. Yeah, I, I think there's there. we Again, like you said, we don't know. If she ends up coming in at 5% owned because the people that are playing yeah. see that, then she ends up obviously becoming a decent play. But because we don't know what's going to happen, obviously people that are playing might just see that she's one of the odds-on favorite, one of the top Americans out there. And at 9,600, she would present a decent value off of Danielle Kang. So um, I think that's what you're suggesting might end up happening because people maybe not follow it as closely as I just suggested. So... All right, a um, couple of more uh, in the mid-tier range now. Uh, Angela Stanford coming off of a win there in Dallas. Obviously, Dallas is not Houston, but she is a Texas native, 7,700. I feel like she presents some decent value. Other ones along that same line, Stacy Lewis. This is her home course. Her and her husband are both members here. Uh, so she's at 7,400. Really seems pretty cheap. I expect... Honestly, that's been widely talked about. I expect that to be really highly owned. Does it make you interested to play? I mean, we don't have much information, but that is one of the pieces that's been pretty widely available. I suspect her ownership is going to go through the roof because of that. Probably. Again, when less information you have, the more, I don't want to say it's a narrative, but at the same time, the more those type of things hold, hold weight because everyone's looking for information. They, they see one fact, and I, I'm guilty of it too. Yep. That's all I know about uh, her and now I'm like, oh, okay, that's something I can go off of. So, gotta keep that in mind. It's still a balancing act. I will say, uh, this just shows what I'm bringing to this segment. Let's I do put it. Out a tweet asking who who is the Grio of the LPGA Tour. One of the names I got was Kristen Gilman, who is 7100. Uh, so, if you're looking apparently for for possible Grio T to Green Wizard, maybe not the best putter. That is what I've been told. Uh, make it profile for Gilman. Okay, uh, that's uh, G-I-L, is that how you, is that how you spell it? G-I-L-L-M-A-N. Okay, all right, I like it. And did they specify why she's the griot of the tour? I'll go look and see if I can find some stats on her. I've got a couple of things here, so I should be able to find something. Um, this, is what we're, this is what we're faced with, of course, when this is our first uh, time following the, the LPGA Tour, at least uh, pretty intently. So, okay, here we go. Looks like she uh, hits about uh, fairways. She hits about 70% of her fairways, roughly about 67% of her greens. Pretty decent putter. Not bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Pretty good putter. Average is about 29.5 putts per round, which is pretty good. Over three birdies uh, per round, which is good. That's a little bit higher than most of the girls around her. So, yeah, I can buy that. Listen, we're going to need to buy any type of um, – any type of stuff like that, we're just going to have to try and buy it a little bit. Now, I will say there's a golfer priced right around here. I had not heard of this girl before, so I'm not trying to say that I know a ton about her because I don't. But uh, her odds are the lowest in this range, and she's playing really good golf. It's not on the LPGA Tour, though. It's on the Korean Tour or an Asian Tour. It's Sayoon Woo Bay. I don't know if she has any relation to Sang Moon Bay, who is obviously on the PGA Tour. I'll have to look it up, but she's only 125 to 1 to win, 
And on my screener, it looks like she's in very good form right now. She might even be ranked number one in terms of my recent form model. Uh, she's got a first, a 23rd, a third, a ninth, a third, a second, and a second in her last six or seven starts. So that's pretty good, Ben, for a 7,100 golfer. That was a name that I had written down. Another one that I had written down is the number one amateur in the world. And we've seen plenty of men amateurs come out and be a force to be reckoned with. And this girl's already done it. Rose Zhang. Played at the, I believe, the Anna Inspiration. I believe she even came in the top 10 in one of her first LPGA Tour starts. So Rose Zhang, um, I won't say I'm all in, but I love this play this week. Um, no, no stats on her, so I can't imagine many people will get to her. Number one amateur in the world. Did I do enough to convince you to play her? So the, the only thing, like I said, I'm, I'm going to take the approach where I think my only value add is, is on the on the line of construction side. Yeah. And one of the things, uh, which is why I wanted to jump on with you, because obviously you've done the work on, on these players and I am just unfamiliar. And I, I think it I can bring the kind of the mindset of what an average person might be doing. I know one of the biggest things is the ability to check the box score right on DraftKings. So if you're finding golfers that have no stats, that cuts made, it says zero for zero or one for one. You're not going to get the ownership that you should because people don't want to go to other sites and do the research. Whereas if a girl, if you look and it says 13 for 13, it's like, oh, I'll, I'll play her. She's super consistent. So yep. you just brought up two names that are probably under the radar for the average person. And again, uh, I think it's an easier sell when you're talking about tournaments for, for people that we just don't have that information on. Yep, definitely. So that one was Rose Yang. She's coming in at flat 7,000. Another golfer that I uh, really like this week, she was the inaugural winner of the Augusta Women's Amateur that they held last year, and it's Jennifer Cupcho. Uh, she just graduated last year, a young girl with a ton of talent. In the last 10 weeks, she's got three top 11s, no missed cuts. Coming in at 7,400, I've been watching this girl since she turned pro, since she won that. Uh, the Augusta one, and she's got all the talent in the world. She deals with migraine headaches, which I know is, is not something we talk about a lot, but certainly can affect her play. I haven't read any reports that she's got any this week, so I am all for it. 7,400. I love pairing her with Zhang. I think it allows you to do a lot up top. Another name that I'm going to throw at you, 7,200, working off of back-to-back top fives, and one of the best swings on the LPGA Tour. This one I have watched quite a bit. And Van Dam. She uh, has been playing some really good golf and some good swings, so I like her this week. Any of those names, uh, Cupcho or Van Dam, you probably know Cupcho from the Augusta one, but what I like here, it allows you to do anything you want up top. So do you think that rostering, like you said, it seems though the variance in the LPGA girls up top is a lot less than what we get for the men's tour. So do you think that adding three of these below 7,500 girls in here to get a bunch of the combinations of the girls up top is the way to build this week? I would say so. I think that kind of like that hybrid balance look, uh, I don't just, what I'm envisioning, I don't think I'd be too excited to dip into the low sixes Yeah. Uh, where I, again, I, I don't see much. Um, and I, what I could gather, there isn't much. But the lower sevens you just talked about, you have a mix of players that we do have uh, some information on and, and are some regulars that maybe will be, uh, more familiar and then a couple you know an amateur as well as uh, a couple other players who don't have as much information i think that's where you're going to get some leverage in terms of ownership you pair them up with 
some of the big time possible favorite potential winners of this tournament mix and match in those two ranges. I think that could be an effective build this week for, uh, you know, again, this is the first time we're all doing this on the DFS side. So that's going to breed uncertainty. That's going to create opportunities. And if you have a plan of action that you can execute, uh, you can hit the ground running while other people are playing catch up. Uh, all good calls there. So, all right, I think we've hit pretty much, you know, we're at the 7,000 range. Both Ben and I have said, you know, we really don't know that many people below. I'll give you a few names. Again, I do like playing uh, amateurs from time to time. I think this is an event that you can do so. You know, in fact, we saw even on the men's side last year, we had Morikawa uh, at Pebble, for example. These top amateurs, Hovland and Morikawa, both played well. In fact, Hovland led the field strokes gained tee to green that year, which is crazy as an amateur to do so. But a couple of other amateurs in the field, Emilia Migliazzo, I think I'm saying that right. I uh, if I'm wrong, I apologize. She's uh, ranked in the top 10. Gabriella Ruffles, who is Ryan Ruffles' sister. I don't know if you know the name Ryan Ruffles. He's been on the uh, he's been on the Corn Ferry Tour out of Australia. Um, pretty good talent. We'll see if we get him on the PGA Tour soon. Uh, and then the uh, French girl, Pauline Rosen-Bouchard. She's got her first... Four letters of her middle name are the same four letters of my last name. So seems like maybe I'll play her in a couple lineups because of that. Um, and the fact that she's ranked third in the world uh, for his amateurs. And then the last name was the girl who came second to Jennifer Cupcho at the woman, at the Augusta Women's uh, Amateur, Maria Fazi. Uh, she hasn't really transitioned her game yet to the Pro Tour. Her swing is great. She certainly has a ton of talent. But again, a little variability there. She has not found the uh, consistency that Cupcho has had. So she's only 6,600. I'll get her in a couple of lines. But for my big dollar, 275, I'm building pretty balanced. I started with Henderson, but I will definitely throw Fozzie in a couple of GPP lines. So um, then uh, we've, uh, we were able to talk for 50 minutes about this stuff, which is pretty darn good. Um, I, again, a lot of fun. If you're wanting to sweat the girls stuff, you're going to get coverage on Peacock. Uh, most every day, and then on Golf Channel, so pretty good coverage. I think it averages 8 to 10 hours a day, so if you want to sweat the girls, you can do that, and the Dubai, you're going to get early morning coverage, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. here on the East Coast, if you like to sweat that, so until the first of the year, Ben, when we get back for the Tournament of Champions, which... Man, before we go, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that Tony Finau is going to win the Tournament of Champions without winning an event prior to that. What do you think of that? <laughs> that's, I think that's a perfect segue to our, our first of many hot takes uh, for the Live Before Lock show in the new year. But yeah, obviously we get a little break, but a couple just quick announcements. Of course, one, uh, there's still no better time to get involved, join the community. All the other sports, NBA is about to start, NFL, I'm doing college sports, MMA is still rolling along, uh, and golf will be back literally in a couple weeks. So find a package that works for you from weekly to monthly to annually, and then obviously keep an eye out. We're going to do some big things, some exciting things at the beginning of the PGA season. So this was fun to get into as a little uh, send-off, take a little vacation around Christmas in the golf world, but we will be back soon enough. Yeah, we sure will. And of course, if you guys uh, like the hot takes, which Ben and I have so much fun on on our Wednesday night show, I'll be doing a little um, 2020 21 pre-review which i do every single year where i give you some stats from the previous year 
I've got a lot more data than I have in the years past, so I'm actually looking forward to doing a little bit of a series. So I need to keep my mind fresh. Listen, I can't be a master gardener at just that for the next three weeks, Ben, so I'm going to need something to do. I'll come out with at least one article per week to kind of preview what the year in the past has given us. So until then, everybody, thanks so much for coming by. Good luck this week at the DP World Tour Championships and the LPGA U.S. Women's Open. We will see you guys back for the Tournament of Champions in just a short few weeks. And until then, everybody, good luck, and we'll see you on the other side. Cheers.